This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Here's Speroni. He rolls the ball out to Cannon. He's got options in front of him. He picks out Thomas. This is a nice looking move from Palace. That's a neat ball to Ambrose. A space on the right. Good turn. He crosses into Johnson. Oh, yes. Back of the nest. Hello and welcome to the Back of the Nest Review Show. My name is Chris Hambling and I'm your host as we look back at a welcome victory for Palace against Leicester City at Selhurst Park. A stunning 25-yard Luka Milivojevic strike settled the match just before half-time in a scrappy game that saw chances at a premium. As well as looking at all the key talking points from the game, we'll also be revisiting the topics discussed last week to ask what has changed, as well as covering a selection of listener contact throughout. The panel tonight is DR Kernaz, Chris Clark, and Patrick O'Connor. We'll be back with you in just a moment. Back of the Nest Match Preview Podcast. Hi, all. It's Terence from the Preview Podcast here. Don't forget to check out our show from Thursday next week when we will be talking about how badly we're going to lose against Manchester City across 40 gloriously miserable minutes. Right. Welcome back after that wonderful message. Um, just a couple of points of admin, as always, just again to direct you to the new backofthenest.com website. It's up and running, articles going on there regularly, including some player reviews of Mike Scott's that you can disagree with, um, and so much more to come in the near future. So do check it out. All of our podcasts are hosted on there as well. Um, really hope that, well, we'll have plenty more content, content on there soon, but um, it's looking good. Enjoying it. Enjoying the contributions that everybody is making to that and of course, now I've got to have a quick chat with the panel. Um, but I've got to start with a bit of an apology after last week. I didn't realise the show was going to be an hour and 40 minutes long. And so my choice of drink last week, which essentially turned into over half a bottle of Bushmills, was an extremely bad idea. Um, as those of you who stuck around right to the end will know, I lost the ability to read by the end. So apologies for that. I've been much more sensible this week. I'm uh, well, I'm drinking a bottle of Tribute. Um from St. Austell Brewery, very nice beer, uh, but I'm drinking it out of a silver tankard, because I, um, I like that, I'm a bit fancy. Yeah. It's nice. Be impressed, you're right. Yeah. You're be, be impressed. Well, it's good. 
at least this week you can actually hopefully talk towards the end <laughs> and not lose your head. As <laughs> <laughs> those obviously the dulcet tones of Mr. Dr. Kernas. Hello, Dr. Oh, hi, Chris. How are you? I'm all right, mate. I'm all right. There was a bit of a reaction last week to some comments you made about uh, the beverage, Dr. Pepper. Yeah. Um, I, uh, some people agreed with me. Some people were against me. It's just I, I still haven't had any Dr. Pepper um, in between last show and this show. This show so I don't know. I don't Are you know. Tempted, tempted at all? Because I would say the volume of people... Let's face it, ripping you apart <laughs> for disrespecting Dr. Pepper. I think there was probably about two people who were who were with you that yeah, I saw. Yeah, so. it's old school though. I'm I'm still <laughs> I'm not changing my statement. <laughs> You're not changing it. Yeah, no matter no matter how bad it tastes or how good it tastes, it's still old school and it should just go out like it shouldn't be it shouldn't still be sold in shops. I don't understand it. It's well just, someone even said it. I haven't tasted it, but someone said that it tastes like bad Coca Cola. It just proves my point. There's no point. You shouldn't have it. So, yeah. Well, we have a, an, an ongoing instruction from our producer, Mikey, that you are to be videoed trained Dr. Pepper for the first time at some point in the near future. <laughs> so look forward to that. That'll be going up on the website. Uh, Patrick, you weren't around last week, Mr. Patrick O'Connor, for the Dr. Pepper carnage. Um, your views? Oh, I can't stand Dr. Pepper. What? Exactly. I am with the. Uh, I think it's the one of the worst drinks, soft drinks ever, ever invented. I can't stand this stuff. Never drink it. When I do, I get physically sick from it. Sorry. See, wow. I'm not even wow. trying it anymore. I'm not even trying it anymore. Thank you, Patrick. Well See, it's awful. I knew it. I knew it. Can I just check something? There's, there's a couple of thoughts that I had the other. I, I was going to talk to you about a love sport last week, but I wasn't able to make it because of work. Um, I've got two possible thoughts on your Dr. Pepper opinions. First of all, you do realise it doesn't taste of pepper, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Should I know you check that I'm one? A fool, but yes, I'm not that much of a fool. Well, do you remember the hamburger incident where you, you were convinced oh, that ham was oh, in hamburgers? Let's just go past this topic. All right, let's go back on track right. with the Dr. Pepper, all right? All right. All right. All right. So the other question I had was, it is it because when you were younger, you looked at the can and you thought it was DR Pepper? And you thought people were going to call you Dr. Pepper you know, if you drank it? Some people actually used to call me Doctor because, like, if you actually say like Dr. Like Doctor, like that. So yeah. No, it's not because of that. I even like, regardless of people calling me Doctor Doctor, I still didn't have Doctor Pepper because it's useless. Like, right. it's not it's not as bad as salt and vinegar crisp. Let me just say that. I, I Mike Mike's got to get in touch to ask what is your problem with salt and vinegar crisps. I'm not sure. We've got time <laughs> to Look, let me really get into this. that right Let me now. just say this. Let me just say this. It's just nasty. Plain nasty. Like, you, uh, imagine having... It just, oh, I feel weird inside even when I think about it. I'm scared yeah, to ask Patrick. And are, on that, we, on, we part company, mate. Some of the crisps or uh, we call them with potato chips are absolutely the best thing ever. Are we part company, mate? They are brilliant. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Oh, we lost you already. <laughs> <laughs> so close, so close. Um, Chris, you've been sitting there patiently, nice and quiet. Um, actually, I, I'll be honest, I have to go back to Patrick in a minute, but um, you were pretty much out of radio contact all day today. <laughs> yeah, sorry about uh, that. Until right at the very last. Um, what happened? Did I get a bit overexcited, the fact that we beat Leicester? Very much so. I went down to the Pawsons and uh, I, I don't know how many beers I had, um, but I managed to get home 
um, and went to sleep and yeah, woke up at 10 past six to lots of messages asking if I was going to be on the podcast tonight, um, which the good news yeah, is, yes, I, I am. I'd written you off. And, <laughs> and as, as someone who regularly sleeps late, that is really, really late. You've slept incredibly late there. Too late, in fact. I'm quite happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. To be honest, I would be too. Um, so I, I do want a quick chat with uh, with you, gents, about what well, you know. The fact we're very much in winter football at the moment. But before I do that, I've got to I've got to speak to Patrick about his hashtag. Oh. Right. Now I'll be honest, I sort of missed the conversation on this, and I, I've had to do a bit of backtracking to try and find okay. out what the hell was going on. So I. I searched the hashtag right. I am Patrick, and there was a lot, a lot of SpongeBob based <laughs> stuff that um, I came across. Here. Lots of people were looking at the <laughs> looking at the expressions on Patrick yeah. from SpongeBob's face and saying that that's how they react to certain situations. And hashtag I am Patrick. I eventually came across your I am Patrick hashtag, which is people with uh, in, in agreeing with your opinion on mm-hmm. certain things. Should we say? Um, are you proud of your hashtag? I didn't make it up for one had i made it up i might have been a little bit prouder but it was oh, again the the uh the background very quickly is i was on uh nbc sports did a uh fan fest last week i was watching the palace match versus west ham with a bunch of uh fellow expatriate palace fans second goal flies in i forget the camera in front of me i react as i do when bad things happen to the palace and uh some person I decided to put it on Twitter with the hashtag I am Patrick. So um, that's basically where it comes from. And again, I don't apologize for the reaction. I'm a little embarrassed by it, but it was a, like I told Terrence in a previous show, it was it was pure emotion. It's how I, how I react to Palace. Palace are way too close. They're not good for my health. And that's how I react when things don't go well. As I said on Twitter, it was my favorite thing ever. It, it really is now currently. Cheers. If I need to cheer myself up, I go and find that video. I'll be honest. Oh, just a bit. Because it, it was a really frustrating well goal too. to concede. We won't, we won't go over it this week because we did it. But but it actually made me laugh Great. about the situation. So you helped me, Patrick. That's that's the main thing, I think. So uh, continued use of the I am Patrick hashtag, please. Much uh, much appreciated. Um, Dio, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to ask you this because you are what I would describe as a wimp. In terms what? of you, you moan about everything, um, I mean, you know, the moaning we got with that time we were in Southampton after we went to watch Southampton away, and you got completely. Are you cr- <laughs> Are you actually you- wait? The weather was not normal. <laughs> yeah. That was not normal. I was trying to walk on a bridge, and the wind was pushing me back. And you're expecting me not to moan? You look at Croydon, mate. Did you find it yesterday? The wind in Croydon is not that bad. Hambo, you was there. Didn't you see me? I was battling the wind. Like, I was trying to run so I can move forward. I was was (laughs) riding the wind on a bridge. It was one of the funniest things I've ever seen, to be honest with you. Because you literally weren't strong enough to stand up to the wind. That's not the point. I'm not saying it was comparable to that, but that is the reason I've gone to you first. Um, Isn't there something a bit magical about supporting Palace in the in terrible weather you know did no, you enjoy it yesterday no, no no let's just stop there i hate this weather with a passion honestly i can't every time i walk out of my house i just want to go back in and just sleep i just i can't stand it i don't think i don't think the players will like it as well maybe old school players yes but me personally honestly i just hate the winter with a passion 
See, actually, I don't think it was that bad at all yesterday. I came in um, to get my halftime beer, as always, and there were loads of people downstairs in the um, corridor area complaining about how cold it was, etc., etc. But, I mean, one, I mean, it's probably because I've got an extra layer of blubber and all that, but people were moaning. I, I was fine. Um, I had a beer to cool down, um, went back up to my seat and you know, enjoyed the game. I mean, watching players run around in rain um, is fine. I think maybe um, it's the, it's what what is called the pathetic fallacy that, you know, actually, you know, the way you feel depends on, you know, what you're experiencing. So if you're watching terrible football, like mm. we were um, that Neil Warnock game against Southampton a couple of years ago, I felt dreadful then. But actually, you know, yesterday we won. Um, so despite the cold, which I didn't feel, I was really happy. Oh, there you go. Might be a, a factor that DR doesn't drink. And can't. I, just, I just like to <laughs> feel my talk. hands after games. When I was walking home yesterday, I couldn't <laughs> feel my hand. I was worried. Let me just say that. I don't know about you guys, but me personally, I like to feel all my body parts, and that wasn't the case yesterday. Whoa! <laughs> Whoa <laughs> Too much a, information. There's a clip. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! Are, what you do, what you do after Palace, after Palace win is entirely up to you. All right, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't talk about it too much. Anyway, I've got exactly what I wanted out of that intro chat. Thanks, Dion. Oh wow! I should be the one that's immature. <laughs> let's get, oh. <laughs> let's, uh, let's get into the match review now, gentlemen. Now, similar to last week, we uh, will be flying through this a little bit. Uh, last week, it was because we wanted to focus on the, the real topic of discussion, which was a lot of people, um, you know, saying that they'd pretty much had enough of Roy and uh, various other bits and pieces we had to cover around, you know, the board, transfer policy, all that kind of stuff. This week is because the game was poor and there's not an awful lot to talk about in terms of real incident. But, uh, you know, to sum it up myself, I've said overall, you know, it's a, it was a pretty poor game, uh, some awful conditions for it. But Palace had the better of the first half uh, but what I would say was a reluctance to shoot and a, a tendency to give the ball away way too often. And the meaningful opportunities were pretty much hard to come by for, for both sides, really. Um, so when Townsend found Luca in space and Leicester just stood and watched, that's, you know, the Sohurst crowd just all demanded a shot. Luca obliged um, and we were 1-0 up. So obviously second half, more of the same, more scrappy football. And you got to say that Leicester probably shaded the second half. Uh, the real chance of the game went their way. And a Premier League debutant, Bethente Guaita, um, he just made an excellent stop to deny Jamie Vardy, which we'll talk about more later on. So that is is what I've got to say about the game. What have I missed, Chris? Well, for me, I just want to take issue with you over the, the giving the ball away too often. I mean, that definitely happened more as the game went on. But I thought for the first 20, 25 minutes, we actually looked really good. And it was like the plan was working. It was a very, very similar um, performance to the previous two games that obviously we got less than satisfactory results from. But in a way, it demonstrates the point that actually this system can work against certain types of opposition. And on this occasion, it did work. So, yeah, we had a good t- first 20, 25 minutes. We were passing the ball around a lot better. Luca was much better. Coyote in particular was great. And MacArthur was doing little tricks and stuff. So, you know, I, I just wanted to make a, a, a point that while it wasn't the best performance... We, I think we were better than, than you're giving us credit for in saying we gave away the ball too often. We did later on especially, but yeah, not at the start. I, honestly, I, I don't know. Hambo, you messaged me as well during the game and you said fine statistics about our yeah. pass. I thought it was really 
horrible in the first half in terms of passing. I, I don't know about the rest of you. It was just basic passes that was being misplaced. And it was not only from one player, it was from everyone. And that's what frustrated me. It's like, what do they do in training if they can't make a base pass? There's no excuse for that type of pass if you're a Premier League footballer. And I felt, I was like, oh, wow, it's going to be one of them performances and we're going to lose. And I will say that um, passing percentages for us was 74% yesterday, which isn't terrible. Lucas was actually 67%. So I had a discussion with um, with Nav about Lucas. I just think, and I think Chris actually during our chat made the same comment. I think his passing in general has been poor this year. I get the point that he's missing Kabai. But I think Kiate has done a great job with him. I just think that he just overall his passing has been poor. But I will put yesterday's down too, actually. A lot is the, were the conditions, and I think missing Wilf. And I'll, my Wilf point is this. I find that Maya plays so much better, passes, but moves much better when he has Wilf on the field. Yesterday, he tried to hook up with uh, PVA a couple of times. It, it was like, uh, it was so poor. So I think missing Wilf yesterday, believe it or not, I think that had lots to do with our poor passing and the conditions. But again, I just think overall, I think Kyoto played and passed well. As, as with Chris said, I think MacArthur did a great job midfield yesterday, keeping the, the you know passing going. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, you know, picking the players out. You you mentioned PVA there. He's the one I haven't had a chance to look, but he's the one whose passing statistics I really wanted to see because I felt that he was responsible for giving the ball away an awful lot in that that opening spell. And that's why Dr. and I had the conversation that he's referenced there, where we were talking about potentially some statistics we might we might want to go through during the show this week. And I just after sitting there watching the, the opening twenty minutes, I was just thinking to myself, I've, I've don't think I've ever seen us give the ball away this much. So I'm really surprised uh, that that you know you thought the opposite, Chris. But having said that, we all we all do watch the game differently. And I suppose really what I'm, what I'm talking about, and it's great you brought the conditions into it, Patrick, because it was quite often it was that last pass that we were looking for, that little that one to kind of open up the defence. And we're trying to play through the centre as as Roy has us doing, and. Um, you know the conditions really weren't conducive to that kind of threading a ball through because either it it skipped on because of the the wet surface or at times it seemed to to hold up a little bit. But I just felt directionally the way we were playing, we we just kept hitting too many. It was too much. I like the fast interplay. If you look at when we played against Burnley, it was key that we were playing quickly. But I just think we tried to play it a little bit too quickly, and it was too too eager to get that defence splitting pass away. And more often than not. It went to our opponents. Yeah, Chris, I looked up PVA's passing stats. Believe it or not, 85% accuracy yesterday. I mean, that's why stats are, uh, stats are a joke. 12 accurate passes in, in his own half, in, in the opposition half, 22 in, in our half. So he actually, for the stats, he actually passed the ball well. But I'm like you, I didn't think he passed the ball yesterday. But what do those stats tell you? Can you can you guys guess I use passing rate? I honestly didn't think it was this bad. Just guess. 56%. Oh, well, you're cheating. You're, see, you're looking at it right now. No, I swear to God. I swear, Pete. I'm not looking oh, at it right now. I'm looking at it on PVA's paper. 55%. What was it? 55%. See? That is 55. amazing. But, but also, Martin <laughs> Kelly, who I thought was man of the match yesterday, I know we'll talk about it later, but he's passing rate with 57. So it's weird. It's just, it, you don't really, you, as, as Chris said, you really focus uh, on certain aspects of the game. But I didn't think Martin Kelly's pass was that Great. bad. And it just shows that statistics, um, you know, it's not in. The other thing is that, of course, Kelly was just, um, you know, clearing the ball, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. A lot of the time. Exactly. So, not you know, the they don't count as passes, really. 
yeah no absolutely right and, and I, you know we're drifting into territory which we're going to discuss a bit later which is confirmation bias look forward to that i'm going to really bore the hell out of all of you <laughs> be great. you're going to be so sick of me by the end of the show if you're not ready. but um yeah it's just something i want to talk about a little bit later on so anyway that was you know the, the summary a great discussion off the back of it so look a few little bits and pieces ripped directly off the bbc afterwards um so that was us winning consecutive home league games for the first time since our final three matches at Sellers Park in 2017-2018. And I've written in big red letters. Let's talk about the return of the HF there. But um, before we do, DR's desperate to get in there. Yeah, I, it's just weird. It's like we used to play so good away from home, but it seems like it's changed. And I think that's a good thing. And as you mentioned, the HF, I don't know if that's a coincidence or not. I feel like the atmosphere has improved and that could reflect on the players as well. So I think the HF actually do have a factor in our home form changing. Well, um, again, drifting into that territory of confirmation bias, it, I, I noticed that it does kind of, people's reactions to it seem to depend on their point of view over recent events. But, for me, what's really noticeable on that side of things is player comments after the game. I mean, it was Martin Kelly this week who specifically referenced the crowd and particularly with reference to the last 20 minutes. And that's where it makes a difference. Now, the reason that the, the, the focus goes on to the HF for that is because it's them who's, who's generating that noise and that constant singing. There's nothing stopping anybody else doing that. It doesn't have to be just the HF or just down to them. But the bottom line is, if you if you want to tell, but this is just my personal view. If you want to tell me that it didn't make it doesn't make a difference if they're there or not, these are the sorts of things that I would say it it shows that it makes a difference. We've spoken to so many players over the years uh, on this show in its previous format um, and, and since, where they talk about the impact that the crowd has. That anxiety in the crowd can make people nervous and make mistakes. Support in the crowd can just will them on where their legs are going, getting tired. And they just need that extra bit of support, that connection to the crowd. It makes a difference. That's how us as supporters make a difference. And I think that's really important to consider um, when you try. If you put aside the politics of it all, that's that to me is the main issue. Um, just to be annoying, don't they normally always reference the atmosphere regardless of whether it was bad or good? It seemed like earlier on in the season, I'm not too sure, but. I'm, it seemed like one or two players may have talked about the atmosphere, looking up, you know, looking forward to the home game due to atmosphere. When realistically, <laughs> in our atmosphere was actually bad during that time. So I don't know. They always the players always seem to mention the atmosphere, regardless of how bad or good it is. But that's just me playing the devil's advocate. And I'll say that watching it in America on NBC, um, they have not. They have re they focused on the fact that the atmosphere was not there at the beginning of the season. But over the last two home games, they made a huge effort to to point out that the HF isn't back and that the atmosphere to the commentators sounds different and the crowd sees more into it. So I, I'm like you, D. I definitely noticed that the players have, have referenced it because they're back and they didn't really talk about it before. But I also think that I, I think personally this it's made a big I think it made a big difference in the last two home matches for the players and for the fans. I, I mean for me I always go go to the neutrals and um you look what other people are saying who don't have uh, a horse in the race or so to speak. Um, and generally, if you look at the observation of other people, they've noticed the difference as well. Um, so I think, look, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to be, you know, to make a, a, you know, 
a point on either side of the fence of any particular debate, really. I'm just saying, for me, I'm, I'm really happy to have something a bit extra back. And I have to say, I'm really looking forward to the Grimsby Cup game as well, because it's a bit of a trial to, to what we potentially will be seeing next season as well there. So I'm looking forward to that. So, um, Chris, you did want to say something there. It's important you get your views across on the, on the topic. Well, thank you. I, I just agree, basically, with, with what you're saying. It's Regardless of whether it's made a difference or not, I can't see how anyone could be anything other than delighted that they're back. Um, and, I mean, it was also quite interesting um, looking across, because I'm at the other end of the ground, and you could see which areas were singing and which, which areas weren't. And I, I won't um, necessarily reveal that in full. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> But it, it, let's put it this way: um, not everyone who says they sing all game in Block E was singing, from what I can see. <laughs> you've said you've, um, you've, what you've done is so. you said you weren't going to say, and then you said exactly that you did. Yeah, I don't the, the comment just, just <laughs> hello Block E. Quick, quick uh, disclaimer: the comments of Chris Clark of his own and do not necessarily reflect the views of Back of the Nest podcast. I did say not all. I didn't say that no one was singing. Mate, you are hanging yourself out to dry, and I'm not coming with you. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck, mate. Good there were... luck. <laughs> yeah, my Twitter is going to be great this week, isn't it? <laughs> no, look, there are plenty of people in the ground who, who support in their own way, and that's all I'm going to say because there's nothing. There's no written document of entry. No, there's to, no there's, obligation. Says, you know, you must sing, you must jump around. You know, if I if I jumped around like half the crowd, my knees would collapse within four or five minutes. So you have to support your own way. You have to, you know, as long as you're behind the team. And you're providing the best support you can provide. No problem with me, but I, I like there being a good atmosphere, and it's definitely gone gone up since the return of the boys from the XF. I, I don't know if the, and girls. Quick, I'm sure there's girls quickly, Hambo. I don't know if there's an experiment going on in Arthur, but there was like a bunch of little kids who were just singing all game, and it was ridiculous. Maybe we should recruit them full time. They were so they were so great. <laughs> like they were singing all game long in the Arthur, and they actually lifted up the Arthur a bit. And lift up the mood, and people joined in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not not wanting to to, uh, to be a negative voice on HF that. It's Academy. Like, I, 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 yeah, maybe it is. I, lo- I love the, I love the sound. I love the fact that kids get into the into football, and I think they, if anything, they do show the way forward because they don't. It's half the time they don't even care if we're winning or losing. They'll just they just want to have a bit of fun, and I like that attitude, but. God, dear, there's something about unbroken voices singing constantly. Yeah. Just creates a little bit in my, in my head. But fair play to you. I don't care. I'll, I'll gladly take that slight headache every game uh, if you're supporting the team. And Chris, I'll tell you right now, I heard them. You can hear them on the TV. It's great. It's a, such a different sounding sound. You could actually hear them singing. Well, I was like myself. It. It's not like Jeff singing. You could tell. You could actually <laughs> hear great. the kids on TV. Absolutely, you could. It was brilliant. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Oh, see, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's some, uh, change. It's the kids. <laughs> I think there's a, a couple of the TV mics are right down there to capture the away fans. That's exactly why you um, can hear them, exactly, Chris. So I guess it's probably that, isn't it? Yeah. But um, now, nah, great stuff. Listen, that that you know, it, it, I thought we'd have to mention it. Um, and I'm, you know, they, there you go. It's great to have uh, the atmosphere on the up. So, remainder of these little facts. So that's Leicester without a win in their past ten Premier League visits to London. They've drawn four and lost six uh, since they beat West Ham 3-2 in March 2017. So not a great record in the capital. Uh, we have won and kept a clean sheet in our past three league games against Leicester. We, Yeah, they really have been um, a source of good points for us over the last uh, season and a bit. 
and long may that continue. Um, since his, this is a really good one for me, and it was it was on some of the highlights uh, shows as well. Since his Premier League debut in February 2017, Luka Milivojevic has scored more goals in the competition for Crystal Palace than any other player. I think that's 17 goals since he joined us. Now, obviously, he's a penalty taker, but that's incredible for a, for a midfielder. Really impressive and just emphasises the contribution he's made since joining the club. OK, first goal from open play this season. Uh, and what a cracker it was. But a huge, huge contribution from Luka since he joined. Uh, also, perhaps a bit of a reflection on the, the strikers and how they've struggled in the system that Roy employs. Yeah, that's scary. Well, it is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that is scary. Honestly, uh, you look at the bright side. Yes, Luka scored lots of goals, but it just it just shows how, what type of mess we're in. The fact that Luka, with 17 goals, is our top goal scorer since he's joined. And it's not it's not good. We need to definitely improve in that area um, going forward. So, yeah. Yeah, totally agree. Um, and the, the final one of those was Andros Townsend has been directly involved in three goals in his past two league matches for Palace at Sellers Park. One goal, two assists. One more than he managed in his previous 14. So is that a sign of Andros up in his game? Or how much do we really read into statistics over direct involvement in goals? I mean, even calling that an assist to me is um, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Uh, he's just played a pass across and it's... You, you could argue that's all Luca putting that in. But there you go. It's, a, it's an assist for Andros. And I think his performances have been pretty good. But maybe we'll get into that a little bit later on. So, gents, let's get into the tactics and game plan discussion. Because, obviously, last week, and, and loads of people said this, and we've had a lot of people uh, message us this week as well, um, regarding the fact that Roy was forced into changes. So, the two changes that we were aware of is exactly what we said. He'd keep the same system. He did. Um, we said Kelly and Ayu would come in for, for Zaha and for Tompkins. They did. Um, so obviously no surprise there. There was a surprise change in the fact that Wayne Hennessy was out with a back injury, um, despite some I think some journalists on Twitter trying to claim otherwise. But no, it was it was actually announced before the game that it was a back injury, so we didn't have to guess or wait until the, the post-match interview. It was pretty clear um, he hadn't trained all week as well. That was That's the information that came out. Um, but a couple of things I wanted to talk to you, to you about, gentlemen. And the first is the performance of Kelly. Again, we might dissect that further in a bit, but does that does that sort of emphasise the fact that all these people? I was talking about this last week. People writing off the squad, saying we got this this terrible squad. It's not, not there's no depth in it. Martin Kelly comes in, arguably a man of the match performance. He's a sort of player who never lets us down. But you know, last week he he wasn't fit to be on the pitch. Yeah, Chris, um, I'm with you 100%. Um, my, one of the biggest peeves that I, pet peeves that I have about Hodgson is that we claim to have no squad depth and then he'll always sub in the same two players. It'll be uh, Schlupp first, then maybe Punch later or Soloff later. And and I think our squad depth is not a problem if you give the players a chance to play. Um, yesterday we saw Kelly did a tremendous job. I'm not a huge Martin Kelly fan, I'll be honest, but I thought he was brilliant yesterday. And I give him credit. Most time he comes in, he plays really well. Yesterday he was absolutely fantastic. Uh, Guaita came yesterday, played great. Ayu was okay first half, was terrible second half. I'm thinking maybe Solo should get a chance. I think Riedewald can play. Obviously, uh, Suarez before his injury was fine. I think there are players that can add to our squad depth. Part where we have another problem, and you and uh, the are talk about, is a striking position. We definitely have a need for a striker. I'm hoping that Wickham can be that person. I'm really hoping he can come back. And I haven't even mentioned, by the way, Scott Dan, our former captain, 
who played on Monday in the 23s. And I think he could definitely fit in in our back four at any point and never let us down. So the thing we know about squad does, I think that's a total myth. And I think that yesterday proved that, you know, are you a side who fortunately had a really poor game that we have a decent squad as long as we are, they are given a chance to show it? I, f- I think um, putting Martin Kelly inside, yeah, that's good. And if you actually look at our defensive options, I don't think anyone really is complaining about depth in the defensive aspect but if you look at the other side of the pitch and look at the striking options and wide play options there's not really that many people that can be as valuable as Martin Kelly was yesterday you saw it Jeffrey Sluck came on uh, we'll talk about him in 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 a second but he was I thought he was a he didn't have a clue what was going on he was really bad and Sir Lofi came on he was a bit I thought he was a bit lazy not jumping just it was just so frustrating to watch, but yeah, just going on the other side of the pitch, I think that's where our depth problem actually lies, and we do have a serious issue. And what I want to go back to is that dr, you talk about um the wide players. I think our biggest issue right now is our formation. That four four two is not going to work the way Roy plays it. I think if we switch to a four two three one and play players in the proper positions, people like Macarthur or at least Meyer in the proper positions, and played with a striker up top. So that, and yes, I am saying play Sola or Wickham. I guarantee you wouldn't think that uh, we're missing the wide player options because you could put Towns in there. And yes, McCarthy had to go out wide, but you'd have uh, my behind a real striker. Towns can go back to putting balls into the box. I think one of our biggest problems right now is that 4-4-2, jamming it down our throats with two f- players. And Ayu, by the way, is not a striker. He's a wide player by that definition. Being forced to play forward, he can score goals, but he's not a striker. So he looks terrible playing where he's playing. He's more of a, honestly, more of a, a wide-ish type play. He's not in the mold of Zaha or Townsend, but he's not a, a striker, which is why he looks so, so terrible. And our 4 2 is, is our demise. If you play Coyote and Luca Holding with three midfielders and a striker, we'd be much, much better off. I agree with you. And that's why I think Roy will actually get sacked sooner rather than later. I said it on <laughs> yeah, the last I've right. said it. Yeah. I said it on the Love Sports show as well. It's not going to change the fact that we won. I don't think we played that greatly. I thought Leicester was really poor and they didn't really take their chances. We had that one shot from Luca, who was brilliant and it went in and that really changed the game. I know you need a bit of luck in the Premier League to succeed, but that performance yesterday, if we played against any other side and if they actually upped the game, then we could have got absolutely battered because we didn't create much going forward. So... He has to change it about, but he's not going to change it. I've come to that conclusion, and that's why I think he'll get sacked sooner rather than later. The one thing that um, I'll say, I mean, we're talking about this this squad issue. Um, Patrick touched on the thing about you know the fact that we we clearly need to change the formation, and yeah, I mean, I think we definitely need to have people are saying Roy's got no plan B. We clearly need to have another option. Um, but also it's about selection. And, I mean, I thought yesterday, well, I mean, everyone is very, very impressed with Aaron Wambasaka. I am as well. But I actually thought he had one of his poorer games yesterday. He made a few mistakes where if he wasn't as pacey as he is, he struggled to recover. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he got back, he, he fixed the problem, but, you know, he was caught out a few times and then had to make a game-saving tackle. Um, so... It was one of those weird situations where everyone previously has been saying, you know, we don't want to play Joel Ward. We're over-reliant on one player. We don't have any other option. But I actually thought we missed Joel Ward yesterday, and that will be controversial, I'm sure. But, you know, that, yeah. that was one thing. The other thing is Ayu um, is a winger. Um, clearly, he's a winger. And that was shown when he got an opportunity to shoot and chose to go deep and cross. 
<laughs> of course, when he had the excuse me, when he had the opportunity to, uh, might have had a might have had a lump full of uh, vape juice there. <clears throat> they when he <laughs> when he uh, had the opportunity to cross uh, in a very good position, he also was unable to do that. So perhaps he's not a winger either. Anyway, look, we'll we'll talk about are you in a bit because. Um, I might have an unpopular opinion on that. But talking about unpopular opinions, Chris, I've got to take to, take you to task on Juan Pesaka. I thought I thought he was one of the better players on the pitch. Um, maybe you're right. Maybe I've... I think the police have come to get you, actually. <laughs> yeah. For your, for your views. That's bound to be coming from you, right? No, no. You're, wow. you're in South London. Wow. <laughs> exactly. I think it was oh, me, was really? actually. I'm right in the centre oh, of the room, remember. Yeah, of course, yeah. Uh, but anyway, I, I, you know, again, I, I take the point that maybe the, the most noticeable good things he does can occasionally be as a result of him having to recover. Maybe, you know, maybe that sort of positional sense he's had to chase back. And I think, again, over the last couple of weeks, there's been a degree of sort of casual kind of pace creeping into his game where he's getting further forward. But... I think overall, if you look at his contribution, he does so much that Joel Ward can't do, including stopping crosses. You know, the only, I, I've got a lot of time for Joel Ward, Ward as a footballer. I think he's been a fantastic servant for Palace. I think if he's not our longest serving player, he must be near, near enough. But he's never really been able to stop a cross. And, and we, we suffered from that a lot. And going forward, he just has limitations that Wem Pesaka doesn't have. So, for me, I don't think we miss Joel Ward there at all. That's that's my my response to you. Yeah, I think Joel Ward is a good backup um, right back. Um, but yeah, I think he's gone past it now. If he, he's just the backup role is the best suited role for him. Um, but I thought, yeah, I, I agree with you, Han. But I thought Wem Pesaka had a decent game yesterday. Well, there you go. Well, I'm sticking to my guns. That I, I think there were um, a number of mistakes, you know, which which you've acknowledged. Um, I'm not saying drop him, um, but I am saying, you know, that he needs to be mindful that, that there is someone there who can do a job. And you know, when Joel has come in, um, he has put in some really solid performances, obviously over over a very long period. Um, so you know, Wambasaka shouldn't rest on his laurels. He needs to know that while he's a gifted player, there's someone there who can do a really solid job. You know, should he have a run of complacent games, and that may happen or it may not. Hopefully, well, no. Again, an inexperienced player, even though Wambasaka's twenty twenty one, maybe now. Um, you know, he's still very young in terms of appearances at the top level. And generally speaking, most young players do need a rest at some stage, and maybe that will happen. And like you say, it's good to have Joel Ward in the, in the background there. And he, and he should be pushing for his place back in the side. But but for me, you get so much more out of Juan Bezaka. I thought it was a good game from him. But there you go. Uh, we all see things differently. Um, I found it difficult to determine exactly what our game plan was. Um, I think conditions, again, played a big part in that. But so my straight away, I noticed that the defence were, were much deeper than they were against Burnley. It's ob- obvious reasons. Burnley, as I said at the time, played with uh, whether they picked one or two forwards, their, their forwards have no pace. So we were able to play higher up the pitch, squeeze the gap between defence and midfield, and that enabled us to get more players forward. That's why that was such a good, strong performance from us. This time, the gaps were there, and as we were talked about already, we found it the, the passes we had to find to, to play through the middle were much longer, uh, and the accuracy, we were, we were really struggling to hit that um, throughout the game, in my view. But um, that's not to say we didn't keep the ball relatively well. It's just those key passes um, at key moments. Um, but I just thought, Defensively, we were very, very good. But again, if you look at the actual instance in the game, as few as there were, 
there were errors there that could really have made it a very different story. And that's why we had various people asking questions along the line. And I'm, I'm going to group them all together into this sort of one point for us all to debate, which is, was the, the win against Leicester any different to what we saw in the games that we've lost? Is it just literally those moments where either you know, Leicester missed a chance or missed their final pass or we got away with a mistake. Was that the real difference? And are we still looking at the same situation with Roy? Um, yeah, Chris, I I don't see... I, I'm with Dio. I don't see um, much of a difference. I don't. I think his time is limited. I don't want him to be sacked. But like you just said, um, uh, Leicester had chances to score. I mean, they had... Really good chances to score. Damari Gray's missed a great save. Uh, uh, Guaita off of Vardy. Several shots. They uh, the Gazal, the kid, thirty one, who came on the Algerian play. What a play! Might have been a lot of uh, Riyad Mahrez. He played. Yeah. He was. He was. He almost turned the game with Madison went out. I mean, so we they 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 pressured us, and the the difference was uh, one bit of magic by Luca and a very steadfast defensive effort by us. But again, if he continues to be so stubborn in the way that he one picks the squad and one that he sets the squad up and not having a plan B, I can't see it getting any better. And Leicester yesterday uh, just didn't capitalize, and I'm thankful for that. Don't get me wrong. And uh, I look at our next five matches, and to me, we've got maybe seven points in those matches, but. I don't know how he survives unless he really decides to change things around because he just seems to be very, very stubborn at this point. Look, yesterday we only had one shot on target. I know that shot was vital as it made us win, but that's telling. We weren't that great yesterday. We were actually, we were not even great. We were actually horrendous, in my opinion. I don't think, um, you know, having one shot on target is not acceptable. We were a bit better defensively, but I feel like Leicester, if they were, if they were good, they would have took advantage of that, and I feel like they had an off day yesterday. So I don't know. There's there's there is a bit of positives I guess you could take. It was still a clean sheet, and Gaeta made an excellent save towards the end, and Martin Kelly was great as well. But if you actually look at the overall performance, it's not something to be excited about, and something definitely needs to be worked on before the Man City game, as we could get hammered if we play like that. Well, I definitely agree that. Um, you know, it wasn't a vintage performance and that it was very, very similar to the last three games, at least, um, because it was exactly the same system, except that the defence was a bit deeper um, and mostly the same personnel, apart from enforced changes due to um, suspensions and one injury. So, you know, yes, there are limitations there. On the other hand, I think, you know, I mean, when we were, when we had a conversation about this a number of weeks ago, I think this was before the Burnley game, um, one of the com- comments that I made was that, you know, I think we needed to get six points plus for Roy to be safe in the job. And I think that's where we are currently. So, you know, I mean, I, I, I mean, Patrick said he doesn't want him sacked, um, but thinks he probably will be. Um, I'm of the view that actually, you know, yes, it's frustrating and the performances aren't brilliant, but I, I think we're doing enough to stay up, to be honest. And I don't think there's a need to hit the panic button. I said, I said, yeah, okay, take- go ahead, Patrick. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'll take that back, though, Chris. I'm 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 not saying that I think he'll be sacked or I want him sacked, whatever executive phrase that I made. But because I'm not really sure we have anybody to replace him, I just think that he's so stubborn in his tactical setup and his substitutions that maybe the player will get frustrated, and you know that could cause maybe backroom stuff. But I don't want him to be sacked necessarily. I I would much rather he turned it around and and did well for us. I mean, all players fans want that, and I don't honestly. My biggest thing is I don't see 
in Paris, someone who'd want to get rid of Hodgson. And I can't see, honestly, anybody that could come in and replace him. And I, I'm so sick and tired of the last five seasons of, you know, the Pulis to Allardyce to Warnock to this one to that one, you know, with no long-term plan. Think we had one in De Boer and then it not working out. So I'd much rather he stayed, figured this out and turned it around. We look back at this time and say, wow, yeah. remember when we talked about Hodgson leaving and he does a great job as opposed to where we are, where we have to get rid of him and looking for yet another manager. I think if you look at um, the games we played, the results, of course, have been great. We've only beat Huddersfield, Fulham, uh, getting the other team now. Huddersfield, Fulham. Who else did we beat? Burnley. Oh, yeah, Burnley. Burnley yeah, yeah, I remember Burnley. that. Yeah, Burnley. They're not great teams at all. Yeah, and Leicester. So, before the Leicester game, I I said it on uh, Love Sport on Tuesday. I said uh, Leicester and Cardiff, I think them two games will really determine Roy's future. And, and yes, winning against Leicester, I think it's actually helped him, which it shouldn't have. As If you actually look at the performance, it wasn't that great. And I've actually gone more towards the side of Roy out after that win more than Roy in due to the performance. Yeah, <laughs> due to the performance because that's not acceptable. Um, and as you said, Patrick, we're not getting the best out of our players. Um, Andros Townsend, he's not a striker. Wilfred Zaha, he's not a striker. And if you keep playing them up front, then you're not you know, you're not doing yourself any good. So I'd rather I'd rather Roy leave and we actually get a new manager who actually plays to our strengths. Well, good stuff, gents. Obviously, we're covering, we're covering topics that we, we're going to talk about later, but that's fine for them to come up naturally. But we will revisit that in just a moment. But let's let's have an enjoyable discussion for now because we're going to look at the Palace goal, and it started off with a move, and it's really it's Luca who starts it in the centre of midfield. Uh, knocks the ball to Townsend, who's in a central position, being, being played as a striker. He has a good run into the box, uh, and then he's just forced over by the defence to the right-hand side. Just very calmly exchanges passes with Wembasaka. Um, it's noticeable in that exchange, Wembasaka just holds onto the ball and sort of fronts up the fullback for for a while, long enough for Townsend to drop back into a position where he's not being, you know, not being closely marked. Which that's what that's the the benefit of playing him in that striker position and letting him run around like that is that, that the, the centre-backs have got a choice to follow him um, or stay where they are. And if they follow him, it creates space. And if they stay where they are, it leaves him on his own because no one's gone with him. So, And we saw the benefit of that this time with um, him being able to just to slide a ball into Luca, who similarly being the defensive linchpin is finding that in, in the system that we play, he does get space. And this time, you know, he as, as I said earlier in the in the summary, you know, the crowd screams shoot. He has time to measure a shot. Leicester very slow to, cl- uh, to close him down. Absolutely hammers it. And it's perfectly curling away from the keeper. I mean, he just hit it exactly where he needed to hit it. Hits like the inside side netting um, to, to the Schmeichel's right. Um, and it's a, it's a real fitting way to win a football match. You can't argue that. So a few things to talk about, really. First of all, obviously, we shot. And we're so reluctant to shoot at times, it gets incredibly frustrating. And that's the benefit of actually actually hitting hitting a shot. But um, it's, it's for me, it also highlights the need that we, that for us to have to, to, to win that game. We had to score like that. Uh, Chris, I will say this. Um, fantastic strike. He needs to shoot more. But um, I was thinking about a couple of things. One, the reaction that he had. Did anybody notice his reaction? He ran to the, I guess that's White Horse Lane, and he looks up. His, are there boxes back there with his family in them? Because he was very emotional. And he made that great yeah. knee slide. He made a little sign up to the boxes, which I thought was fantastic. And um, 
Wolf was up there as well, wasn't he? Maybe it was for Wolf. You know what? I did see Wolf and your brother up there. You're right. That could have been it. And, you know, I've got common and Wolf in a second. Um, and the... Uh, I kind of lost my... The thing about Wolf is, just going back real quickly, I noticed in Hodgson, when that stat came about Wolf not was not scoring, not winning in 30 matches, which is obviously now gone, the Hodgson reply was this, well, he really hasn't scored that many goals this year anyway, which I found to be interesting because Dio just mentioned the fact he's playing out of position and yet he's only got, I think, got three goals this year, Wolf, or maybe it's only two, the Huddersfield goal being one, I remember, obviously. I think he got one other goal. Is it three? three yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the point is, he, you know, he's not really scoring. So, you know, people say, well, we don't win without him. But it's interesting that Hodgson pointed that out, that, well, it's not because Wolf isn't scoring or we're not winning. It's because, you know, we're just not scoring in general. Um, I thought that was going to be interesting. Uh, but again, going back to the goal, I mean, it was, it was just a great goal. I love the inter- interplay between Wanda Saka and Townsend. And you're right, Chris, having Townsend play like that really does help him in four positions. And I heard someone over here made a, a comment, a comment, commentator said the following... When you play with two like false nines of uh, players like Wolf and Townsend, it really gives a problem for the centre back. They used to, you know, m- marking a big centre a centre forward, and when you don't have them, it makes it difficult. My issue with that is that we've done it so many times now. I think we've been sussed out by teams, which is why I think we need yeah. to go back to the old way. First of, yeah, definitely. There's a reason not, not every team plays oh, like that. No, Sorry, I was, I was going to jump in and like let you guys know that it was actually a Garpalapa. And you guys didn't mention it, so I don't know what to do. It was not Couldn't a normal it. goal. This was a Garfalapa, and it's two games in a row, and you guys are treating it like it's a normal goal. <laughs> what is going on here? That was just fantastic. And that, the, the funny thing is, is that the fans actually shouted, shoot, because we actually had enough of the players trying to run it into the net. And he shot, and it went in. And it's not only Luca that has to shoot more. I think the whole team the whole team needs to shoot more. It's like, it's not going to work against United. We were shooting outside the box and we created, you know, we look more dangerous and we need to go back to that. It seems like after the United game, we went back to our usual selves and tried to walk it back into the net and it won't work. Unfortunately, in the Premier League, it's very unlikely that's going to work. But Guapalapa, another week, another home game. Oh, it's just fantastic. I love a home game from now on. (laughs) You had a you were debating with me for a while as to whether or not it was going to be a guapalapa. Yeah, I look uh, back at it. I look back at it. I was like, nah, that that has to be a guapalapa. That has to be a guapalapa. <laughs> and I think the people on Twitter agreed with me as well. So it's just fantastic. Yeah, yeah. it wasn't an instant one though. You had to re- send it to the review panel. Have a little little think yeah, about little VAR, it. VAR, um, <laughs> VAR. <laughs> quickly check that. But yeah, they they approved it, and I approved that as well. And ah, oh, it's brilliant. Maybe next game. Who's the next home game? Is it against Chelsea? Nice, uh, Cardiff, isn't it? Oh yeah, Cardiff. Oh no, that would be fantastic. If Will gets to go up a lot, I can see it in his pocket. Three games in a row. I would love that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I sit right behind the goal. I can tell you, it was definitely a guapalapa because you know I I could see at the moment that he hit, he pulled the trigger. I knew it was going into the corner. There was no way that Schmeichel was getting to that. It, you know, it was just lovely watching the ball coming and just being able to relax before celebrating because <laughs> he'd hit it so well. How much well. did you relax before celebrating? Was it sort of a sit back, you know, like spark, spark up the pipe? Just, I did that very long, <laughs> <laughs> to be fair. But, you know, it, I, there was just no anxiety on my part that, you know, Schmeichel was going to get there or it was going to go wide. I could see where it was going and that he wasn't getting there. So, yeah, just a little smile on my face before... The mayhem ensued. It was great. <laughs> Good times. Well, we like to see that, don't we? And again, like you know, just it's not that far before half time. Great time to score. Uh, a great way to do it. And obviously, the lift for the players was brilliant. And 
the lift for the crowd as well to you know to go in at half time actually be happy as you're queuing for four hours to try and get to the toilet that kind of stuff so yeah very very positive stuff obviously as we said the second half wasn't as great but we held out and there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com for the victory um, for so that was like I say a very fitting way to win a match uh, let's have a little chat about some of the the key moments before we, we move on to some more specific stuff so we've got to talk about this um, the, the first real major action of the game was not good uh, Lucas played a, a pass back to uh, to Gaita um, real heavy touch for his right foot across his across his body and straight away, if you if you look at it and watched it back on the highlights a lot, you can see in his face that he knows what he's done, um, and he's absolutely breaking his neck to get there before Vardy does. Vardy's not no slouch, so it's a real problem. What he does well to start with a bit of credit for him is that he steps across Vardy just as Vardy's about to overtake him. Very sensible thing to do, and by doing that. He's put himself into that territory. So not only do keepers get relatively well protected anyway, but if you, loads of times you'll see fouls for that everywhere on the pitch, barring for an attacker in the penalty area. You probably get away with that as a defender if you've, um, you know, if, if you know if you're the the person making that foul because it's just a, it's deemed a collision if it's going to be for a penalty. But anywhere else on the pitch that is given as a foul. So it was it was a clear foul. I don't think Vardy's intentionally fouled him and that's why he's carried on. And you can see with the way that Sacco reacts, he starts sprinting to try and get back. So he's not convinced either. The bottom line is it's not good, right? He's very lucky to get away with that. And obviously nerves and, and certainly the conditions do play a part in that. Um, we'll talk about what loads of people have gone, oh, what would happen if Wayne did that? We'll, we'll talk about that in a bit um, as much as we need to. But for the time being, you know, obviously it was a it was a it was a disappointing moment and a very nervy moment. It most certainly was, Chris. Um, heart and mouth moment. Um, wondering what he's trying to do, why he's doing it with Vardy so close. Vardy's obviously very quick, close him down. And like most old fans like myself, I had that two thousand four Kevin Campbell Julian Sporting moment in my head. <laughs> yeah. And I said to myself, "What's the what the worst thing that can happen is if he actually scores that goal." And we lose. What look at the career that Julian went on to have. <laughs> then I said to myself, no, can't give him goals like that away. So I'm glad, obviously, the foul was called. It was a moment I think he learned from. And um, again, you don't want that to be happening often. But like I said, uh, it was a you know a thing that you don't want to see happen. And uh, 
And again, thankfully, it was a callback. It was his first Premier League game, but I think he needs to realise that you don't have much time on a ball in the Premier League as you would do in, in other leagues, especially in La Liga. But I think he'll get better uh, and adjust to it over time. It was his first Premier League game. so. But if you actually look at it, in the second half, I think he's done a similar type of mistake. Not It wasn't really noticeable, but uh, Vardy was very close to him and he just managed to kick out last second. But as I said, he'll get used to it over time. It's not like he's played 50 games and keeps in the same mistake. It's his first Premier League um, um, appearance. Oh, I forgot the word appearance there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> it it was a bad mistake, right? We, we've got to be very clear about that. But he's got to learn from it. And as long as he does learn from it, then you know it's no impediment to having a very successful career with our club and you know beyond in due course. The... The other things to point out are, I mean, his distribution more generally was actually excellent. You know, you could see the way he was kicking the ball and it was actually going to the players he was aiming it at. They were able to control it. That was fantastic. Um, Yeah, but yeah, going back and focusing on that incident, you know, he's definitely not got that much time. He needs to know that. He needs to learn that. Um, Yeah, they're excellent points. And I think most people came to a similar conclusion. It's really important. Um, like you say, not to repeat errors, but in order to repeat errors, you've got to play games as well, I guess. So you, you can't make any real judgment off of of one match. What you, what you can say is clearly there was a lesson to learn there. Um, and, I, and I think, yeah, all the, when we start getting into how did he play overall, you're absolutely right. I was really impressed with his, his distribution. But again, if you're going to say it's just one game, you can't focus too much on a mistake. You've also got to say it's just one game. You can't too, focus too much on the positives. It's really about going on from there. And, um, you know, any player who comes in to replace anyone for whatever reason, they've got to do their utmost to keep that shirt. Um, and I don't think he did himself any harm overall. I think overall it was a solid performance. But at the same time, off the back of that, you've got to say, you know, if the manager's looking for, if he's looking to make himself undroppable, then the first thing, the, you know, the, the manager's going to think is, well, he made that error there. Um, you know, does does that give me confidence in him? Does, does the defence have confidence in him? But again, it's all about playing over time. It's about, you know, how long a period he gets in goal. And when he gets his chances, he's got to take it. Yeah, I mean, the other contrast I just want to quickly draw is if you think back to Alex McCarthy and his time with us. And he only really made one mistake, um, which was passing the ball out um, to um, the Liverpool striker. Um, was it Sturridge, I think, um, yeah. who scored the goal against us? Um, and, you know, like, I mean, we all, I certainly we didn't all overreact, but I did, and lots of people did. And most importantly, Pardew did, because exactly. we ended up losing someone who was a really good keeper. So, you know, while we're all very frustrated about, you know, a lot of things at the moment, the fact that Roy is very forgiving and very patient may actually be a benefit to us on this occasion. Well, we'll see, but I certainly agree with you on, on you know, the fact that Pardew ditched uh, a future England goalkeeper off of one error. Um, at a time where he was under a lot of pressure, and he did that with a with a lot of players, you know, focusing on them rather than himself, and that's why he's no longer Crystal Palace manager. So, um, anyway, that was that was the first incident in the game. The second one uh, I wanted to pick out was I think it was in the second half when Damari Gray had been moved into a more central position. We we obviously we were after him before he we went to Leicester. What well, I think he's a really good player. Um, just, I you know again I don't know what the circumstances were around us looking at him, but. 
gutted we didn't get him because I think he'd have been a. He's just for me, he's a, the perfect Palace type of player. Can play can play out wide, can play central. If you think when Wilf's out, imagine if you had Damari Gray to put in instead of Jordan Ayew. That's all I've got to say. But anyway, he ran through the whole team on this, and I, I'm for me. He's not. He's prodded it wide. It's a poor finish at the end of it, but it really worries me when I see this. It goes back to what I was saying before about the, the, how we view the performance and how closely it could have been to yet another poor one, where it's, it undermines the clean sheet in a way because we talk about how good a defensive display it was, but arguably that's one player who, who's gone past five or six of ours, and that's five or six of our defenders that ultimately you could be pointing the finger at as, as costing us a goal. Um, I, I, yeah, that that's how I view that particular incident. Yeah, Chris, that's a great point. I mean, go back to what DR says about the performance being poor. We were very, very lucky. Not only was there, Damari Gray, by the way, is a good player, but he's finishing, you know, he's a young player, he needs to finish better. And, and that was an opportunity for him to score what I would have considered a quite easy goal because he went past five defenders. The last thing you do is cipher the ball past Guaita and he gets a goal. Um, but there were there were other opportunities. I mean, Gazal had a shot that went across the goal uh, that could have easily gone in. We got lucky. I mean, we we definitely got lucky. But for me, uh, in the position that Roy is in now, he's looking for a point of performances. Performances won't mean anything. People want to go back and say we played great against United, played great against uh, Liverpool, blah blah blah. But to me, it's all about getting the points and getting three points is more important. So yes, defensively, we got lucky and we use that luck to get the three points but again for me right now it's about performances i mean points over the performances which again have not been very good for the last three or four matches yeah no, that, that's pretty much all we can really say um and i think that one incident kind of highlights it nicely but moving back on to, uh, to another positive um late on in the second half it was a really good palace break and it ball found its way to, to max mayer and he just lifted a brilliant pass over the top for for jay mac um He's, he's actually cleaned through at that point, but one thing uh, Jimmy Mack hasn't got <laughs> is a huge amount of pace. So he um, so he starts sort of running into the gap between the defence and very quickly realises he's not going to not gonna get anywhere, finds Townsend. You can see Townsend straight away thinks about a shot, and that's what we're talking about. If he comes in on his right foot and hammers it straight away, you know he's quite likely to hit a shot on target there, bend it around the defender, but it's on his slightly weaker foot. Um, he hesitates and he ends up having to, to go wide. Holds the ball up really well. And actually what he ends up doing is creating a much better chance than the one that he had for Jordan Ayew. Hesitates, but oh, I mean, Ayew, this is Ayew. I mean, he's, he's hesitated as the ball came to him. So first of all, you've got to shoot first time. Doesn't. Still has time to shoot, but real lack of power, direction and about anything else that you need. And we started talking about Jordan Ayew. I think... This is a good an opportunity as any to get into the into the weeds a little bit on that. So for me, I, I thought, and I've seen so many people absolutely tear him to shreds this week. So I feel like I've probably got an unpopular opinion, uh, although you guys have kind of hinted at what I was um, going to get at today, which was first half in particular. I thought he worked very very hard, which is the minimum you want in a player. I thought there were two occasions at least, maybe more, where his first touch was absolutely sublime. I mean, the, the one that springs to mind immediately was a um, was that crossfield pass that found him in, on the corner of the area and he just screwed up the cross after taking it down beautifully. But there was one a little bit after that and go back to the distribution that uh, Bistente Guaita has. It just landed, it, you know, 
it was very direct, very at Ayu as he was on the run. But again, he took it down perfectly on the run. And what I really noticed about when he, on both those moments where he will be criticised for not making more of it, what he's done is he's, he's made the perfect run. He's used his strength and his skill to take the ball down in a really good position. But he's got no options. His only option is to try to hold the ball up. And as we've discussed, a winger or a wide forward, that's not his strength. He, he does the best job that he can do. But when he's got so little to aim at, you just feel that he's never, in the system that we play, he's never going to be successful. There is no place for him the way Roy currently plays. And every week we're sticking him out there and he's doing his best. And his confidence must be eroding game by game. He must be feeling absolutely like he can't do anything right. And it's, I feel sorry for the guy. And then at the same time, I look at some of the things that he's chosen to do when he's not been under pressure and he hasn't done himself any favours either. Look, his hold-up play, I think, was good yesterday. Um, he tried to bring people into the game and, as you said, his first touch uh, at times was great. His effort was there also. Um, he gave in 100% effort, which I think cost him in the second half as he ran out of energy. But the main thing you want from the striker, of course, is to, for him to finish goal, uh, you know, finish and get some goals. And you saw yesterday, with you, know, you just mentioned the Townsend incident where he landed to um, Jordan Ayew. His finishing was just, it's its not up to the standards of Premier League. And thats I think that's where Palace fans are getting frustrated. As, yeah, the effort was great and the hold-up play was great. But then you could get Cameron Jerome. He's, you know, his effort is great and his hold-up play is Every great week. as well. <laughs> Every week you have to mention no. Cameron Jerome. I'm going to get you. Cameron Jerome had the effort and his hold up play was decent as well, but he couldn't finish the ball. And you want your striker to finish the ball. And that, I think that's the issue with Ayu. It's just he's not a good striker. And he's playing, you can argue maybe he's playing out of position, but I don't know. In January, if we can send him back, I guess do that if we can bring in a decent striker but maybe playing him out of position I don't even know his best position to be fair I feel like he's not a wide midfielder but I don't feel like he's a striker as well so it's it's weird I don't think he's got the technical abilities to play out wide but then he can't finish the ball so he can't play out front <laughs> so I don't know I really don't know where he could play but he's getting a lot of slack I think he's our scapegoat yeah, for me, the eyes are hiding to nothing at this point. I'm with Chris. I thought first half he did not play poorly at all. He's tried to hold the play. He's got a great first touch, but he did himself no favor with those with that missed chance that he had, and he had a header that came over that headed it, you know, wide when it's heading towards the the uh, upper Holmesdale, I believe, at this point still. But at this point now, I I, I like Chris feel very bad for him. He's played out of position. He's not gonna get any better. And the best thing that ever happened to him is be sent back to. Swansea and try and get his career back over there because you can tell in the ground I can tell uh, every time he gets the ball there seems to be a there's a groan when he makes a mistake if it's everything he doesn't do is perfect at this point Roy's got to see that got to hear that and got he's better off to try and solo out or wick him up front next match and, and give this kid a break because he's just he's he just I feel really bad he's really got he, he cannot win at this point but short of scoring five goals next match this is never going to happen obviously Sorry, Chris had his hand hand up, but then he then he immediately removed it. Yeah, I took it off. Because, uh, sorry, I took it off because Patrick said exactly what sorry. I was going to say. <laughs> What's um, that? Yeah, literally word for word. Yeah. So, I mean, the bottom line is that um, are you? I, I think. I mean, he's a good player. Um, I think as a winger, 
he he may yet have a future as a reserve because we do need that cover. You know what what happens if Will goes out again um, later on, whether that's through suspension, we know that he, that he can be petulant, or if he gets an injury. So we need to have cover for that position, and I think Ayu can be that, but he can't be the striker. He's not a striker. Um, the people behind me were very much um, getting very frustrated and booing. Um, it was it was not good. There's not a lot of love for him, sadly, um, around Selhurst Park at the moment, um, despite the fact that he is re- clearly really, really trying. So, you know, I mean, the, the point is, though, well, as Patrick just said, we need to be playing a striker in the striker's position, um, whether that's Wickham or whether that's Soloth. Um Now, interestingly, I mean, the, the people around me, again, were very, very clear that they wanted Wickham. Um, I'm probably with them on that. Um, I know Soloth hasn't had much of a chance, but when he has, he hasn't demonstrated much ability to control the ball, as we'll um, come to if we're talking about the game specifically. I mean, the people around me, like I said, were calling him Sloth, which is harsh but um, accurate, I think. Um, yeah, bring on Wickham in the next game, is my view. Oh, I'll come back to that. Dio, obviously, get get your point across, and then we'll, we'll get to move this up. Yeah, quickly, with um, Serloff, you're looking at our other tracking option. I don't think Wickham... Was I don't think Wickham was fully fit to play this game. So you look at that other option, and then Serloff doesn't have any, he, no effort at all. And that's the, the most annoying thing is that he comes on in his same tier minute, but it seems like he's played ninety minutes and he doesn't run around, and it's just so frustrating. And also his decision making is poor as well. So it's, it's we're not in a good situation, <laughs> we're really not. And the fact that we have to rely on Connor Wickham, a guy that's been out for nearly two years, is just worrying. Right, to sort of round round all of that off, really. So, first of all, I think Roy said during the week, uh, in the, in, well, certainly in the, the pre-Leicester press conference, where he, he was asked if Wickham would play. He basically said, look, I'm not going to tell you who's going to play and who isn't, but if you're really asking me if a player who hasn't started a Premier League match in two years is going to start a Premier League match now after you know having another recurrence of an injury and, and only playing one under-23 game, since coming back from that. If you're really going to ask me if he's going to start, then then fair enough, so be it. But there's an obvious answer kind of thing. And I, I sort of had mixed feelings about that because obviously how's he going to get match fit if you don't play him? You know, but okay, fair enough. Play him in another couple of under-23 games if you want. But in that case, don't put him on the bench and make people wonder what the hell you're doing. Um, but at the same time, you know, but I think ultimately Wickham is a far better player than Serloff. That, that, in my opinion, he, he's way ahead, and, and everything that I've seen of Alexander Serlov, I get the point. People, and this is an example again of people wanting to see change, and not really worrying too much about what that change is. They want to see a striker play, Serlov's a striker, so surely Serlov has to play whether he's good enough or not. And you kind of think, part of me thinks that as well, but part of me as well thinks actually the. The better thing to do is to, to do with what you're confident with and, and what you feel is going to work best. And if what you feel is going to work best is leaving a striker who's not impressed you on the bench, then we have to kind of respect that position. But yeah, I can see both sides of it is what I'm getting at. And I, I think people crying out for Wickham to play do need to factor in the fact that it's going to be a while before he's starting Premier League games on a regular basis. Yeah, and the thing I'm worried about the most is that Wickham comes in and after two games, people straight away judge him and say, look how awful he is. He has been out of the game for two years, so we don't know what we can really expect from him. Maybe he's lost that touch. We don't know. But 
if if he does come back, please, please, let's not write him off straight away. I don't think we should expect much from him this season. If he stays fit, then next season, then we should judge him. But what a goal, though, in the 23s. Come on, boys. What a goal that was. <laughs> I don't know. It might be another Guapalapa. Exactly. It's just ridiculous now. I don't know. <laughs> just going, it's just every time at home, even when we're at home playing under 23 games, there's Guapalapas going on. Or joking aside, yeah, though, joking right. aside your, your point about him coming on, I agree with you. Yeah, the RV comes on, you can't think. But it's like Chris said, it's the white conundrum. He talks about the player, he puts him on the bench and then put him in the game. So, of course, we're going to ask, why isn't we playing? I mean, why does he do that? If you ever want to play, it's the second I think we can do it on a bench this season and not play, but everybody said to themselves, you know what, it's about 10 minutes left, 5 minutes, put Wickham on, he puts on Solo. So, he puts himself in that position. Why is he doing that? It's like he's playing with us. I don't <laughs> understand that. Well, that's it. I said it another. I can't remember what game it was. I said it earlier, earlier in the year when Roy did something along those lines where... It might have even trolling, been the first right? time. It's trolling, right? Trolling us, isn't it? Yeah, it's like he's top trolling, Roy. Well done, mate. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, making some. It was the late sub, it was wasn't it? Cool. It was the late sub when he brought on Schlupp. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. When uh, it's like, yeah, we were desperately chasing, chasing well, a win. Losing, I think. Yeah, brings Jeffrey Schlupp on through the most defensive <laughs> midfielder. That was it. So, well, cheers, Roy. Cheers, mate. Go on, go on, Dio. Very quickly, can mate. We, we'll move can, this can we really talk? Can we talk about Schlupp and his performance yesterday? As I thought. He was just lost out there. And honestly, don't put him on anymore. Just put on Jason Punchin instead. I'd never thought I would say this two years ago. Easy with the punching. Jason Punchin, I think. Take it easy yeah, with that punching he's flagging he... off, mate. Watch it. No, 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 no. <laughs> I think, look, look. I didn't, no, honestly, two years ago, he's a write-off. And he's just running around and pointing at people as a captain rather than doing his job. Easy. But Sloppy just lost. Sloppy just lost. I honestly don't understand how Roy puts him in every game. I understand he scored against West Ham, but... Surely after yesterday's performance, that's it for Slut. Like he can sit down for a few games. I think being dropped has affected Jeffrey Slut. And I think he, he was struggling for form before that. And it was, as, as we've observed, probably right to drop him. But I think he's, if you, again, if you, if you try and think about the humanity side of it, where he's joined us as a left back, formerly a left winger. Before that, he was a striker. But he's playing central midfield for us. <laughs> <laughs> you just think, cheers, <laughs> 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 well, Roy. Convert him to a central midfielder. They go right. You're now a central midfielder, and you're not good enough. I'm dropping you. Oh, so yeah, you know, I, <laughs> you know what I mean? it's like it's crazy. Move players into a completely new position, and then punish them when they're not good enough. I think I was watching a completely different game to everyone else because I mean, it, I thought Schlupp did all right. What? <laughs> what? I, honestly, I was focusing <laughs> on Jeffrey Schlupp and his effort in tracking back. It's like the same with Serloff. You haven't been on for ninety minutes. What are you doing? Go back and track back and go in the left back position when PV is out of there. He he just didn't seem like he had a clue on what he was meant to do defensively, and that's just. How did it look to Patrick? Because Patrick obviously has the ninety, you know, the the perspective on the telly. And I wanted to jump in. I didn't. I like you, Chris. I didn't think he played that poorly. I thought when Maka went inside for Kiyate, did a great job playing with Luke in the middle. We changed our formation slightly. And I didn't think it was that bad. I mean, I'm not a huge Jeffrey Schlupp fan in general, but I didn't think it was that bad. Yes, his first touch is poor. But I, I'm, I go by what uh, Hambo just said. The problem is the guy was started as a striker, plays left wing, left back, 
left midfield, and now Roy puts him in and puts him at central defensive midfield. I mean, how could the guy really get a, a feel for the get match and the game when he's played all over the place and got again he was dropped recently, got no confidence. Again, of all of the players yesterday, I don't think he was. I don't. I mean, he wasn't mad at a match, but he wasn't. He didn't. He wasn't terrible yesterday. No, we'll really, have, I, no, I didn't think it was. He wasn't great, but he wasn't terrible. We'll have to we'll have to leave that where it is. But interesting debate, and again, further evidence that, that shows everyone sees things differently. Um, look, we're gonna have to bring this to a close uh, as quickly as we can. We're not, you know, I've still got, we've still got a 45 minute lecture from me on con- confirmation bias to come. So I'm kidding. It's not, it's going to be much, <laughs> much shorter than I planned. Uh, but fortunately we have covered, covered the majority of, of topics that we wanted to. And not only that, we've covered the majority, if not all of the, the topics that people wrote in and wanted to talk about. So we can save a bit of time there. The last incident I want to discuss is obviously, uh, and, I, and I'll get a point from each of you on this, if I may, which is the, the save from uh, from Guaita. So uh, Gazal, who, who Patrick drew attention to earlier on, come off the bench for, for Madison, who had an absolute shocker in the first half. Um, just literally didn't know what the hell to do. Um, and Gazal came on as much, much better and really put us under a lot of pressure. He was he drove forward and played the ball to another sub uh, in Kelechi Inacho. Uh, he put a first-time pass in Vivardi, who the defence had kind of let run. And it's just typical. It's, it's exactly as it's Jamie Vardy scored so many goals like that. Just running off the defence, prodding the ball past the keeper. You know, he's all, and you can see him. He's almost running off and celebrating. And it's for me. I, I don't want to immediately get into the, to saying that this save was so good. Blah blah blah. And people say, "Oh, you, you're only saying that because you you know you don't rate Hennessy or whatever." It's so. It's people be really really tempted to say you're overdoing it with this save. But every time I've watched it since, and again looking at the neutral perspective of the, the pundits and other people who've seen that save, they all say the same thing. That is a great save. And it's a great save because it's point-blank range. Okay, it's a toe poke from Vardy and it's quite close to his body. But the, the reason that's a, such a good save is because it's it's in that zone where he hasn't got time to... You don't think he's got time to kick a leg out at it. You don't think he's got time to get a hand down to it. You've just got no idea how... It's to his to the side of him. It doesn't matter if it's close to him, it's to his side. To actually get his body the way he's got it and get that hand down to it in that short space of time and get enough on it to get it away from, from the trajectory that it's on. Okay, the luck comes in when it hits the inside of the post and comes back to him. But forget the luck at that point. Look at what happened before it. That is, you know, those are kind of reactions we haven't seen since Julian Spironi at his peak. And I'm thinking if you look at the save from Ashley Barnes against Brighton. Where he where he just flicks a hand out, even though it's the ball's past him, and just you know he's actually bullet time from the Matrix. Basically, it's just um, there's a sound effect for me there. Great sound effect. Great. And for me, it's it's that level of save. Um, and we'll do we'll do the comparison bit later on. But um, Patrick, you had your hand up first, mate. Your your view on that save? Yeah, it's a brilliant save. It's a kind of save that you remember. I mean, Dio makes a point. He had one. There was they had, I think they had two shots, and you know the one that one save. But it's a kind of save you remember. Chris, your your your, your Julian uh, comparison is brilliant. You know, cat like reflexes. Yes, there's a bit of element of luck, but to make that save, and again in a match that we needed to win, that preserved the game. I think it's a brilliant save. And again, I don't want to go overboard because again, I'm not going to talk about Hennessy because everyone knows my feelings about it. And I and I've been. Asking for Guaita to play for a long time, I'm very glad he's in. 
uh, it's just the kind of save way that you remember. Has Hennessy made saves like that in the past? He has, of course he's made saves. But it's just that I'm looking for consistency. I'm going to be totally honest on this point, and you might go into it later, Chris, is that when Hennessy was playing, honestly, I really always had a bad feeling. And it wasn't that I don't like him. It was never that. Because I'm a palace boy, I want us to do well. But I always thought there was a mistake that was going to happen or there'd be some reason for me to have that I am Patrick moment on the TV. And I hated that about myself. I really hated it. And with Guaita in there, I just really, I've got, one, I've got a Julian thing about him. I think he's got that that whole, uh, you know, South American, Spanish type background. And, I, you know, the cat like reflexes are making him kind of save. I love his distribution. I, after the save, you see what he did? He ran over and he touched the post. Yeah. I thought that was brilliant. His, 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 um, his interview with Grierson, oh, it's so great. I mean, the man's learning a new language and he's trying his best to get a point how much he loves the team and how much big that victory was. I mean, there's someone to like about the guy. And this is not about not liking Wayne. It's about me wanting to, my team to do well and, and wanting the players like that wear the shirt to do well. And I just felt so badly when he did so, when, when he would make, you make mistakes. And if, but again, the reflexes there were great. And I just thought the save was, was great. Am I making a big deal out of it? Of course I am. Part of it's jokingly. But again, to me, it was a it was it was a big play. I just hope it's something that can kind of like we go back and look and say and say, remember that save that he made in that first match when he started, and we can look back and hear the great career of the Palace goalie. I just need I just need to get this off my chest, and after this, I'm done with the goalkeeper situation. Look, the save that Vicente Gaeta made yesterday was great, and may, maybe Hennessy wouldn't have saved that, as I think both the um, strengths are different. Gaeta has better reflexes, but Hennessy has that strength advantage. And Gaeta is meant to be the better goalkeeper than Hennessy. He was linked with very good clubs. And me personally, I do think he's a better goalkeeper. However, the reaction that I saw on social media by fans, it seemed like Wayne Hennessy hasn't saved us at all this season. Um, can we actually appreciate the fact that he's done good in certain situations this season and has improved massively in terms of being consistent? I'm not saying he's no De Gea, Courtois or Alisson. I can admit that he's like he's an average goalkeeper. But you need to appreciate that what he's done has been you know he hasn't been uh, he hasn't been looked at by fans and every time he does something good it looks like oh people people say this oh he's played average at best and done what a goalkeeper should do and yes I do agree with that but you the fact that he's doing that now and we still find a negative instead of the positive just shows that the relationship between the fans and Hennessy is toxic and I said this last season and I'm going to say it again now I feel like it's time for Wayne Hennessy to move on because no matter how good or bad he plays, I think people still dislike him, which is disappointing, of course. But I think that's the main solution to this um, you know, debate between Wayne Hennessy and Vicente Gaeta. Okay, look, I think you've made some really good points, Ned. They are, I honestly do, and we seem to be getting into it now. So we'll we'll try and get through this in sort of five minutes maximum. Um, and Chris, you can uh, you can round off the view at the end in a sort of Jerry Springer fashion, if you like. Um, yeah, yeah, cool. So, this is where I wanted to talk a little bit about what confirmation bias is and, and all that kind of stuff. But you've been saved from me boring you about it by by lack of time. So, what you're talking about, Dio, is 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 basically that in some people's eyes, doesn't matter what Wayne does, he can't win. Um, and I, I would say that the opposite is true of people who have who have got sympathy for Wayne. And look, if you're a human being, you can't fault you can't fail to have sympathy for for Wayne Hennessy, particularly given the improvement that he's made. In recent times, you, you've got to feel sorry for the guy that, um, you know, he gives his all every week and, and people still do tend to pick out what he does wrong rather than what he does right. So, first of all, you know, this season, Wayne Hennessy has, has won us points with his performance against, against Fulham. He, re- he really has. 
But my personal opinion is that Wayne Hennessy doesn't get down to that that save against Vardy that, that Guaita does. Now that a one game and one moment and one save doesn't actually mean that I think Guaita's the better goalkeeper. I don't know. I've not seen him play enough. Um, and it, but it, it took me. Well, it took Wayne. What was it? I don't even know now. It must be 70, 80 games before we started to see the level of improvement that we wanted to see. And even then, I, I, was, I still maintain my point that I've seen him. I've, 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 I feel that I, I've judged the level of ability that Wayne Hennessy is, is at. And that's where he is. And great, you know, he, he's there. But So I, I was talking to Mikey about this the other day because Mikey was getting worked up exactly the same way you were, Dale, by people's reactions on social media. And I was trying to explain why I think the things that I think. And I, and I was trying to say, I said, so if you take Luca as an example, right, in our team, and you look at all the things that Luca is as a footballer, you know, he's he's a really good midfielder, right? He's a good good pass for the ball, generally speaking, although Patrick, obviously, he's, we've debated whether or not his pass percentage is as good as it was, all that kind of stuff. But basically, you'd say he's a good pass for the ball, a great defensive linchpin, um, and, you know, a really effective Premier League, you know, decent level Premier League midfielder. But he's also takes a great free kick, Good on dead balls in general, delivery, uh, great long shots, fantastic penalty taker, and he's a leader. He's an absolute leader out there. Now, if you take those five things out of Luka Milivojevic's game, he's still a good player. He's still probably, you know, a decent Premier League level midfielder. But what makes him that level above where you start talking about how many goals he scores for us, the fact that he's our captain, you start talking, it is not a player that you would pick out and say, I would like to see him replaced. Generally speaking, there's been a few over his form. We'd like to see him dropped and rested and what have you. There's no one there saying, I don't think Luca's up to Premier League standard. And that's why. And Do you see what I mean? I'm saying that Wayne has all those abilities to play in the Premier League as a goalkeeper, but he doesn't have those extra things that you look at when you see the top elite level goalkeepers that make you think, I don't want him replaced. He's doing a brilliant job. And, what you know, that save from Guaita is as good as a goal. And you would love to see Wayne Hennessy do that more often than not. And that's the place I'm in, same as you, Patrick, where I, when I go into a game, I don't think he's ever going to do that in a match. When he does, like he does against Fulham, you'd probably say he's done it probably one in about 15 games that he'll pull out something where you think, oh, well done, mate, you've, you've saved us there. But at the top level, I don't think that that's enough. And that's all it is. Uh, Dale, I'll let you jump back in. Yeah, I just I just want to, like, my point is that I don't think there's any turning back. You see, this season, I think we can agree on that. Hennessy has improved. I'm not saying he's world-class once again. I'm just saying he's an average at best um, Premier League, like he's an average Premier League goalkeeper. But the fact that people still question him when he does have a half-good game, it just it just shows that there's no winning for Wayne Hennessy, and it's I can just see on his side of it. I'll be frustrated as well. Like you can't win the fans regardless of how you play, and uh, yeah, as I said, I don't think Hennessy will be able to you know, win the fans at all. And personally, the best option is to sell him and get someone else. I know we've been linked with a goalkeeper. I can't remember who it was, but two weeks ago. Um, however. It's just, it's never going to work out, in my opinion. You may be right. Um, what, I th- what I think is clear, though, is that Hennessy is at a much higher level than he has been at any stage, and he's been performing quite consistently. Um, the, the issue is, for example, if we did decide that we wanted to sell him, would another Premier League club come in and sign him? That's, that's a genuine question. I don't know the answer to that. Um, I actually think 
probably, yeah, if we were to sell him in the summer, um, one of the teams coming up might well sign him because he's got the experience at Premier League level. He's a relatively solid player. He's got a mistake in him. We know that. He's He can get a long kick. Um, that was the, always the big difference between him and Spironi. Spironi's distribution was never great and got worse as he got older. Hennessy could get a really decent long kick in, which was great. Um, so, you know, should should he go? Um, I think it's too soon to say after one game that um, Guaita's, you know, definitely going to be the number one. Looks like he could be. Um, and we know from his pedigree at, you know, previous clubs that he has performed at that level and hopefully he will do for us. But equally, you know, I mean, I'd be perfectly happy to see Wayne stay as a reserve because I think he's actually been performing very very well this season and I'll, i will add chris that i don't and the i don't really think that um the atmosphere at the ground has been toxic for wayne i think the fans who are at the ground have been excellent in supporting him so i don't think it's like are you for instance or we all can tell that it's not working out and the fans that you know they groan and they make they make yeah you know thing but i do think that with You're wayne right. at least the fans at the ground are behind him i think he knows that and from that standpoint it's not toxic and i'm telling you right now uh, as soon as he's his back's okay, he'll be, he'll be starting because you know why he's not going to uh, keep quiet in there. He just not. Look, I, I don't, I don't want to dwell too much in it. The point I was going to make around confirmation bias. So hopefully, some of you will know what confirmation bias is. Uh, particularly those of you like me who love true crime podcasts and that sort of stuff. It's um, it's very it's it's a very interesting way that the human brain works, and it's all around. You know, we've all heard probably heard of the term selective memory, where Obviously, someone decides to only remember the. Particularly, we get those in relationships, don't we? Where the other party chooses to remember the bad things. Um, Marriages, not the good exactly. Thing. Well, that's my. Yeah, that's my experience. Anyway, yeah. uh, but anyway, so and, and I think that it works both ways for on the subject of Wayne Hennessy, and I think those people, whether they whether they were even if you're aware of it, you cannot help but look at points that the evidence that reinforces your point of view. So if you're looking for Wayne Hennessy to be replaced, you will, you will naturally as part of how your brain works, you will, you will remember more often the things he does wrong. And then when he's not playing, you will focus on the things that the the person replacing him does right to reinforce your point of view. But similarly, if you're someone who's sitting there thinking that Wayne gets a hard time, so, you know, you, you will focus on the opposite. So, for example, off the back of this game, you can put people very neatly into a couple of categories generally by their reaction. Most people, you know, to be fair, most people are trying desperately to be rational about it. I think we all have on this show tried to be really rational. But um, those, you can look at two incidents in that game and whether you focus on one or the other pretty much determines your position on Wayne Hennessy. And if you focus on the error that Guaita makes early on, which nearly costs us a goal, you will, you will view that as an unacceptable error and you will say that he got very lucky to get a foul given against him and that realistically he could have cost us a goal there. Whereas you'll probably wash, you know, sort of brush that to one side and focus on the quality of the save if you think the opposite. Where the truth of the matter is both things are relevant. And I hope we have really tried hard to present that on the show today um, because we are... You know, ultimately, we support every Palace player, you know, other than Jordan Much. <laughs> well, just... that's bias. As you said, that's your yeah. bias. <laughs> yeah, I Jordan Fair Much. <laughs> See, that's, that's a bias thing that you made. I support Jordan Much. Even though he's at a Cardiff game, I don't understand. <laughs> he's, he's, play, he's under um, contract at Palace, but he goes to Cardiff game instead of a Palace game. 
I hadn't seen him in training. Well, and then possibly he might be off. So then there was rumours of him going Cardiff, and you might Fingers join crossed. them to score against us. Listen, if we, <laughs> listen, I think it'd be a good deal if we can pay them five million quid to take him away. <laughs> so, like, Chris, you still got your hat? I have. Yeah, like all good lectures, this this one comes with a reading list. Uh, so, if you uh, want to know more about confirmation bias, then listen to the Tim Minchin song "Thank You God." What on earth is that song? That song does not sound exotic. It's good. <laughs> I need a bit of excitement. <laughs> Check it out, man. it's not your sort of thing, but if you if you do listen to it, make sure you're drinking a can of Oh, God's gee, it's not bad. Two birds with one stone, mate. Two birds with one stone. Well, we were going to visit revisit in detail um, some of the topics from last week, but we've kind of done that as we've gone. Um, so I'll just, I'm going to ask each of you a question. Uh, let, me, let me decide who Ooh. gets what. <laughs> um, Chris. Yep. Are the play, players still playing for Roy? I thought they were yesterday. Yeah, they played. They played well, um, and they played with heart. I mean, you could see, you could certainly see that with the way that um, Luca celebrated his goal. And I don't know what that was about, but you know, I mean, he's had his own little psychodrama this this se- season. That's absolutely clear. Um, you know, we were minus our talisman, and we won without him. Um, you know, great to touch the post. There, there was a, there was a lot of passion out there. I thought, yes, there are there are some weak links in this team. You know, there will continue to be. I fear, um, but yeah, they were playing for him. I thought. Okay, Dr. Looks like from what Roy is saying that we're not going to have a huge amount of money, if any, to do much business in the January tra- transfer window. Irrespective of your v- views, whether Roy is your preference to stay or go, do you think that he's been given the brief? keep us up with what we've got and that's your only job and is that acceptable yeah i think so i think um the club even told the fans yesterday there was a sign at the at the led screen <laughs> or whatever you call it it was saying Sellers park is going cashless in 2019 i think they told the fans as well i think we all know that there's no money to spend and we're all going cashless next year well done well, well done dr <laughs> Finally, Patrick, for you, has anything changed in your views, Roy in or out? As I said before, I don't think his tactics have changed. He only played those plays yesterday because he had no choice. It was for him. It'd been the same lineup that lost to West Ham and Brighton. So he has not changed. But like I said, I don't necessarily want him to go out because we don't have a replacement. And I'd much rather he do better as a part of the fan than to leave. So Roy in for now. There we go. Okay, I'll just summarise by saying that, obviously, like everybody else, delighted to get three points. And no matter how you view the game, it still lifts the spirits. It's still nice to have a weekend where Palace got three points. Horrendously difficult game coming up next uh, against Man City. I think most people writing that off are quite rightly so. But uh, Boxing Day, hope as many of you as possible can get down to Sellers Park, uh, back the boys. And um, that's that's a really big game. Uh, hopefully to get three points in. Uh, continue to take that little bit of pressure off. Arsenal helping out today by um, losing to Southampton. Cheers, boys. Well done. Nice one. Thanks for that. Yes. That's why you're broken, but we'll get into that another day. So thank you very much to everybody for listening. Uh, thanks to my panel, DR, Patrick, and Chris, and to Sam, who's re- who's not producing. I have to do that myself this week, which is why... <laughs> 
it was dodgy, but she is editing later on, which will hopefully take her hours. No, I didn't say hopefully. Hopefully, will unfortunately probably take her hours. Um, do subscribe to our podcast via your chosen podcast app so you don't miss a thing. There's three shows a week. Uh, I think Love Sport is on the Wednesday this week, 7 to 8.30, DR. Yeah, and we'll go through everyone's contact on that show as well, as we haven't got yes, much time yeah. now, so we'll go through every contact on that show. Wednesday, Absolutely 7 right, to 8.30. 7 to 8.30. And of course, the preview show will be recorded either Wednesday or Thursday night as well. Keep your eyes open for that and make sure you listen in. Uh, thanks to all of you who did contact the show. We didn't read any specific ones out, but all, I did read them all and all of the topics were kind of amalgamated into the discussion. So, And as DR says, we will cover them specifically on Love Sport this week. Make sure you engage with us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and also visit backofthenest.com as we continue to release content and develop features. We'll be back uh, with the review show, uh, well, I guess it's next week. <laughs> Can't work it out because of Christmas and things. But it is, it's, it's next Sunday, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Cheers, all. Thanks, bye. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.